Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. Hey, everyone. Like I said before, my name is Andy Neal, and I'm a new hiker. I've only been hiking for the last year, and this is The Hiker Podcast. This is my attempt to find out as much about hiking as I possibly can. And not just the ins and outs, not just the what gear I should have or how I should do this or that. But I want to hear stories from people who have been inspired by hiking. I want to hear the stories of people behind the trekking poles, not just what kind of trekking poles I should use. It's important, absolutely, and we'll get into some of that. But I want to talk to people about what's going on in the hiking community and also what I need to do to be a responsible hiker, which is why I'm super excited about this week's episode. First off, I want to thank those of you who listened to last week's episode. It meant the world to me. Uh, so much positivity and positive emails and comments and, and even even Apple podcast reviews. I wasn't expecting that already. And some Apple podcast reviews. Super excited. With that, though, we're also available now on Apple Podcasts. Super excited. And I keep saying super excited because I'm just elated not only about where this podcast is going, but this episode. So if you want more information about the Hiker Podcast, go to hikerpodcast.com. If you'd like to talk to me, you can email me, Andy, Andy at hikerpodcast.com. Those are great resources to get a hold of me or find out more about the podcast. At hikerpodcast.com, you can get all the different places you can listen. We have Spotify, we have iTunes, we have Anchor.fm, who is the sponsor of this week's episode. Thank you so much, Anchor FM, for sponsoring this week's episode. I am so excited about getting into this week's episode. We have two amazing guests. Our first guest is Kristen Babs from the Oregon Department of Forestry's Keep Oregon Green Initiative. Um, we are in the midst of fire season, especially if you're out in the West. And uh, we talked to her a little bit about what to do if you are a hiker and you see a wildfire start. Also about fire prevention and why it's important. Also, we have the head of Hike Oregon, the Instagram and amazing resource here in Oregon for all the different places to hike and resources to make you a more confident hiker. Um, Francesca from uh, Hike Oregon was so instrumental in getting me involved in the online hiking community. When I first started hiking last year, um, I went on to YouTube and I was trying to find different trails. So I put in Hike Oregon in YouTube and I found her YouTube page. And from her YouTube page, I found so many others. I found Dixie and Darwin and so many other amazing YouTubers and even was able to find later on Elena Osborne, who will be on next week's show. Super excited to have Elena on. She is a filmmaker and PCT through hiker from New Zealand. We'll be on the show next week, not only talking about her PCT through hike, which she did complete in 2019, but also talking about creativity and inspiration from the trail. So with that, guys, I want to thank you all for listening. If you want more information about The Hiker Podcast, go to thehikerpodcast.com. Um, and this is a little bit of a different episode. We usually like to tell stories, but with fire season starting, I really wanted to take some time and just remind those of us who are new hikers, as many of us are getting on the trail for the first time due to COVID-19, and those of us who I like to say are double, triple crowners, the importance of being aware of what's going on around you as it comes to fire and fire prevention. So without any further ado, we are going to welcome Kristen Babs from 
the Oregon Department of Forestry Keep Oregon Green initiative. Hey there, hikers. Thank you so much for listening. And as I've said before, fire season is here. It's no longer on the horizon. It is here. And as hikers, we need to be responsible hikers and make sure we're doing our part to keep our areas green. And living here in Oregon, there is a great program called Keep Oregon Green through the Oregon Department of Forestry. And I have the president of Keep Oregon Green, Kristen Babs, here on the phone now. How are you doing today, Kristen? I'm doing good, Andy. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I know it was short notice. I just really thought it was important after experience I had a few weeks ago being on the trail and, and catching a wildfire myself that I, yes. I we, we, we talk about the importance of preventing wildfires and what us as hikers can do to not only prevent, but maybe even report. So first, tell us what is Keep Oregon Green for those of us who don't live in Oregon? Yeah, Keep Oregon Green. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been around since 1941. And in fact, we're the oldest Keep Green association that's left across the nation. There used to be a bunch of us back then, but we're the only fully funded program left. And basically, we're an education and awareness organization aiming to promote healthy landscapes and safe communities by educating the public of everybody's shared responsibility to prevent human-caused wildfires. And Obviously, you've probably seen the name out there used other ways. A lot of people like to co-opt to keep Oregon green for other things, but it's mm-hmm. definitely my job to keep it connected to fire prevention. Absolutely, yes. As, as much as we want to keep Oregon green as other ways with recycling, we're talking about wildfire prevention and making sure that we're keeping our, our green spaces green and our public lands green. So important. So what 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 does your 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 day look like as far as making sure that people know about Keep Oregon Green and the importance of preventing wildfires? So essentially and we and it's been this way going back to the 40s, we fight fire with publicity. So according to the Oregon Department of Forestry, uh 70% of Oregon's wildfires are started by people. So we put out information ahead of time, ahead of fire season and during fire season in an effort to get that 70% number down. It's Mm. a big number. We want to get that down. So we largely use TV and radio ads. Maybe you've heard some of the latest ones. We were able to get Sam Elliott to help us out with those. Yes, yes. Um, But we've also got some billboards up around the state. We use social media to create that awareness and promote basically good behavior when people are out recreating or working in Oregon's forests. Um, But actually, a lot of our fires are started around the home. So reaching people at home uh, and uh, and even property owners as well, even if they don't have a home, maybe they have some acreage. It's really important task for us to reach those folks. We want to encourage people to create defensible space around their homes. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, that means removing the flammable fuels within that first 5 to 10, 30 feet of the home so that if a wildfire comes, it won't consume the structures in its path. Absolutely. And I love the billboards. I've seen the ones, the keyboard and green ones with Smokey the Bear and the, the Smokey the Bear license plate. I'm a huge Smokey the Bear nerd or Smokey Bear. I keep saying Smokey Bear. It's Smokey Bear. <laughs> Smokey Bear nerd. Yeah. Um, and also you have the, uh, the hashtag Oregon, our Oregon uh, promotion going on right now. I've seen the billboards around Eugene. 
Yes, we do. So they're everywhere. Um, they're up and down the Willamette Valley, and they're over on the east side as well. Um, and we want to make sure that we cover Southern Oregon really well, too, because um, that happens to be a hot spot for us in yes. terms of human-caused wildfires. But, you know, really the idea is we wanted to, you know, just create that visual of in- impact of the really cool places that we love and we know, those iconic landscapes around Oregon that we love, um, and really build that sense of pride in Oregon and Oregonians that we we love these places and we don't want to... We don't want to burn them down. Absolutely. Yes. And it's so important as so many hikers listening from outside the area, they love Oregon. They love hiking through Oregon. They love the Pacific Crest Trail. So it's everyone's responsibility to keep Oregon green. Um, Right now, what are some of the biggest fire dangers in regard to outdoor recreation and activity that the state is facing? Well, so the July 4th is in the rear view, so that's a that's a sigh of relief, I yes. guess, right there. Um, but really, each it's it seems kind of it's a it's a predictable um, top three issues that we're looking at each year, um, and the number one is for us is escape debris burns, those backyard debris piles, mm-hmm. um, followed by um, escape campfires. And then the third one for us is equipment fires, namely vehicles, people driving their cars around and, and uh, starting fires that way. So, or ATVs or whatever. So um, debris burning during fire season is prohibited, mm-hmm. but the challenge there for us is that people that were burning in the spring, some of those piles can be rekindled during warm, dry, windy days and create problems problems down the road when when debris burns are prohibited so um so if we can tackle those three we would we would greatly lower that 70 percent yeah absolutely making sure when you're pulling a trailer the chains are up off the ground all those things i do have a question about camping right now everyone's wanting to go camping right now we're in the midst of covid19 people can't go out people can't go you know to the movies and stuff so they want to go on the outdoors you have a lot of people who haven't been camping before out camping because they're looking for something to do. Maybe they're even doing dispersed camping on public lands. What do they need to be doing with those fires? So here's a little trick that I, uh, that I'm trying to teach folks is I carry all of my camping gear, all my supplies in a five gallon bucket or even two five gallon buckets. Um, they're narrow. They fit in your car really easily. And then when you get to your campsite and you unload your camp supplies, those five-gallon buckets become fire extinguishers. Mm. We want to make sure that if you're out camping, um, that those fires are dead out when you either when you go to bed at night or when you leave. Mm-hmm. And dead out mean meaning that when you kind of when you put your hand above it, you don't need to touch the coals, but just if you can feel heat on your hand above the above the ashes and the embers, it's it's still hot and it can rekindle yes. uh, long after you're gone. So we want to make sure that those fires are dead out before campers leave or before they go to bed. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's nice it is sometimes to let that sit there and, and, and put smoke and it, it kind of, the embers kind of go at night. You just got to make sure it's dead out because you never know what the weather is going to do. You never know what's going to happen. Make sure your fires are always dead out. Now, what is something everyone can yeah. do right now to help reduce the risk of fire danger that we might not even think of? Just something practical that, hey, I never would have thought of that. Um, you know, so getting back to the equipment fires, uh, something that I would like folks to think about is, you know, make sure that your vehicle's in good working condition, that there's yeah. nothing dragging the chains, the mufflers, any, any parts of your car that are, that could be dragging on the ground. Because, um, what happens is any metal con, you know, with contact of the pavement 
going 55 miles down a, a road can send sparks off into the dry vegetation. And, and then you're creating not just one, but a series of fires behind you mm-hmm. on the road and you're, and you don't even know it. So really make sure that you're, that the, everything in the undercarriage is secure and, and off the ground. Um, and then here's something that folks don't think about. You know what? I mean, it doesn't happen a lot, but guess what? If your car catches on fire, just don't pull off on the road, like onto the grass, because then one catastrophe turns into another great, big, huge catastrophe. So you could actually just move your car over just slightly, but keep it on the roadway mm-hmm. and, and let the firefighters come and deal with it. Um, don't pull it off over into into the tall, dry grass. And then the same, never idle uh, a car or park a hot car on tall, dry grass, because that, that can also start a, a, a wildfire as well. Um, a good thing to do is just carry a fire extinguisher with you in your car. They're, they're inexpensive, and it's always good to have that peace of mind with you as well. Um, and then I would definitely say, you know, pay attention to the weather reports. If you think that your activity could possibly spark a wildfire, postpone that activity because predictable is preventable. If you can see it starting a fire, postpone it, try it at another time. And, you know, a perfect example of that would be lawnmowers, a whirling metal blade mm-hmm. um, striking a rock in, uh, in hot, dry weather can spark a fire. So just things that you don't normally think about, but but they, they definitely could lead to destruction. Absolutely. Make sure we're paying attention to what our, what we're doing. If, if you can think about it starting a fire, it might, it might just start a fire. Uh, pivoting a little yep. bit, what does the fire forecast look like for Oregon and the West this fire season? So I just we saw the uh, final July outlook that came out on June 30th. Um, and it's interesting because lately we've had uh, some of the coolest temperatures, in the, at least in the northern Willamette Valley, in the first five days of July, and that's going back to 2012, our average temperature was like 64 degrees. And yeah, and we haven't seen that since 2012, but we haven't seen a lot of lightning activity. Mm-hmm. Um, guaranteed that that'll probably pick up in, in later July and definitely in August. Um, but the, the outlook is saying that July favors, at least for our region, and that would go for, um, you know, Oregon, Montana, Idaho, uh, or excuse me, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, July favors really below normal temperatures, so that's good for us. But um, snow and rainfall deficits won't change, yeah. even with that moisture that we've had in June. Um, the drought is really persisting for all of Oregon, save for the North Coast, Northeast Oregon, Cascades. Um, but yeah, so we're we're seeing some reprieve in that in that respect. Yeah, which is really good because I have noticed being out at Hyatt Lake or the Rogue River, things are much lower than they should be for this time of year. Mount McLaughlin yep. snow is almost gone down here, and it's like, oh, goodness, it's only early July. So it's nice to have those temperatures, but we still can't put our guard down. Um, but as hikers, I, I'm a, this happened to me last week. I was hiking up uh, Soda Mountain over uh, near the California-Oregon border, and I spot a wildfire at the top wasn't there. What should I do if I'm on the trail and I spot a wildfire? So I follow you on Instagram and I saw that and I thought it was absolutely amazing. I mean, and so you, were you able to call 911 when you were up there? I was luckily on on the top of Soda Mountain. I had service. So yes. Yeah. So that's amazing. I mean, you've got the greatest viewpoint right there. You're like a, you're like a lookout. Yes. (laughs) There's a, there's a lookout station there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've got cell cell phone coverage, uh, you know, definitely try to call it in. And then, you know, if you have the means to put it out, 
um, then and you can do it safely, then we would encourage you to do it. I mean, we've we had a, a group of Boy Scouts that came across. Um, a campfire that wasn't put out and it started to um, escape a little bit out into the vegetation. And so they were literally out there with their trowels and, and they've, they had their dromedary bags or, or buckets. They were able to, you know, make a, a chain down to the creek and pull water up and get that oh, wow. fire put out. Wow. And that's something that could have really come to life. And, uh, you know, and then you're talking, you know, millions of dollars in suppression resources to put something like that out when, um, you know, when if, if we're there and we've got eyes on it and it's easily put out, let's let's do it. You know, yeah. I do. So wanna... Those are those are uh, those are that's basically what what we're saying. If you see it, say something, call 911 or if you have the means to do it. And, and do it safely, go ahead and put it out. And I do want to say never be afraid to call 911. Even if you're the second, third, or fourth person to call it in, you never know. When I called in, yep. I was the second person to call it in, and it was on the California side. They patched me through to Cal Fire, just on the other side of the border. And we here in Southern Oregon know that California fires affect us here in Southern Oregon. So never Absolutely. be afraid to call. The worst that could happen, they're going to be like, oh, thanks for calling it in. We got it, though. Thanks for calling. Um, never be afraid, yep. because you, you might be the only person who sees it. Um, Absolutely. What can people do to support fire prevention efforts in the forest and public public lands around them? So Keep Oregon Green supports not only the Department of Forestry, but we support our, our federal partners, Forest Service, BLM. Um, we support our local fire departments and we support our private landowners. Um, and so, you know, our, our, our message to all Oregonians and tourists is no before you go. Um, and, and if you don't have a chance to check things out, you know, get on the web and check out your, your recreation destination ahead of time, read and follow the posted signage when you get there um, or at check in with the hosts, but really, you know, information is power. And, and if you go to our website at keeporegongreen.org, you can click on our current conditions page for the latest information. And there on that page, we link to the Oregon Department of Forestry's um, restrictions map. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you can get all of the latest information and restrictions just by, by clicking on that map. You know, if, if you're going to head out to Detroit Lake, you can zoom in on Detroit Lake, uh, click on any, any area and an op up will pop the, um, the state restrictions or the federal restrictions, or at least provide links to websites or phone numbers so that you can um, get in contact with the landowner before you head out. And that, and the same goes with the private landowners too. There's um, a link to, uh, you know, your warehousers, your Hamptons, all those kinds of places too, if you're heading out to private land. Awesome. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to share and how can people find Keep Oregon Green? So, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, we're, we're in a very challenging time with COVID and, and we really want to keep our firefighters safe um, by phoning in fires. You know, we're able to, to get uh, get them rolling on a fire and, and uh, get it under control quickly. But I would ask that that we uh, do not add to their burden by creating careless, unwanted people fires. Yes. Um, just really allow them to focus on lightning fires um, because those are the, the ones that really destroy a lot of acreage. And, and, uh, and so if we can keep our fires down, allow them to focus on natural cause fires, we're in a better place. 
um, a fire that is prevented is a fire that doesn't need to be put out. So that means that we're saving, you know, millions of dollars, but more importantly, we're saving lives, property, and resources. So help us, help us spread the Keep Oregon Green slogan. Um, and the other piece that you mentioned up top, you know, with the Smoky Bear license plates, I love your bobblehead, by the way. Oh, but thank you. Um, yes. The Smoky the Smoky Bear license plates really help us. They serve as mobile billboards, and and it really encourages folks as we're driving around on the highways all over the place. We're um, we're encouraging people to really think about our favorite landscapes and our recreation destinations and keeping them beautiful for the next generation. So if we can keep spreading the Keep Oregon Green slogan, um, we're, we're all going to be in a better place down the road. Awesome. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on and reminding us what yeah. we need to do this fire season. All right. Keep Oregon Green. Thank you so much to keep working green and Kristen for coming on the show and having those amazing reminders or maybe even first time things that we never knew before about fire and fire prevention, uh, not only in Oregon, but wherever you live, whether you live in Montana or California or on the Appalachian trail, these are important things we need to remember about fire prevention as we're on the trail and we're enjoying our public lands. It's we want to preserve these public lands and it's so important to, to be fire aware and be fire safe as we're out on the trail. Real quick, before we go on to our next interview, we are going to have a quick break from our sponsor, Anchor, and then we'll hear from Hike Oregon. Hello there, hikers. This is Andy, and I am here with our first guest ever on the Hikers Podcast. You may know her from Hike Oregon, hikeoregon.net on YouTube or on the interwebs. Francisca, how you doing today? I'm great, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to say, when I first fell in love with hiking, and as our, our listeners know, I've only been hiking for a year now. I went, I, YouTube was my space. I love YouTube. I've been working with people on YouTube for a while. Part of my job is to work with businesses and companies and help them leverage YouTube. First place I go to before I go to Google is I, I go to YouTube. Yeah, and me too. I put in I put in Oregon hiking trails, and all your videos came up, and I was like, <laughs> "What is this? This is absolutely amazing!" And then from you, it was like this rabbit hole of falling down to finding Darwin, and then finding Second Chance, and then finding all these other amazing hikers, Dixie, all over the interweb, and this whole online community of hikers I had no idea existed. <laughs> so with that, this. Start off by telling us your story, how you got into hiking, what brought you into hiking, and what what inspired you to start Hike Oregon? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, well, I have been hiking since I was a small child. Um, my family has always been really outdoorsy, and um, I, I summited South Sister at the age of six. And oh, wow. I've, I've always just been into hiking. Um, every summer, my dad would plan like epic backpacking trips for us because he was a professor. So he would be able to take long extended summer breaks. Mm -hmm. And so he would always plan something really epic for us. So uh, one year we backpacked through the Alps. Another year we backpacked around Greece. Um, and uh, one year we went to Alaska and backpacked there. And so I've always been, you know, into hiking and backpacking. I uh, kind of fell out of it when I was um, in high school and college. And then 
I, in my mid twenties, I, um, was kind of struggling with some substance abuse and some, um, pretty bad depression. And, uh, then I rediscovered my love for the outdoors. I went on a hike and I just completely refell in love with it. And it basically changed my life. I've been hiking every weekend, basically ever since. Um, so for the past seven years, I believe. Um, so yeah, I just, I just refell in love with it. And, um, then how I got started with hike Oregon was I, I didn't have a lot of resources when it came to searching for hikes. And, um, I had a really old Sullivan book (laughs) for my region, the, the central cascades, uh, Sullivan book. And it was, I think it's from like the eighties. So pretty outdated when it comes to hiking guidebooks. Um, And so I found there to be discrepancies, obviously, when I went Mm -hmm. out and did these hikes. I was like, well, that's not the correct mileage or this trailhead is totally not where it once was, stuff like that. So um, I would try to search these hikes online. And I this is before like all trails existed and all of that. And I couldn't find any information about any of these trails that he was writing about in his guidebooks. And so I was like, well, I can't be the only one with this problem, right? Other people want more information too. They want photos. They want accurate, current information about these trails. And so um, I just decided to start documenting the hikes that I went on from the guidebook and, you know, took pictures and trail sign photos and photos of where you park and I uh, just took down a lot of detailed notes. And then after I had, I think, 15 hike write-ups, I decided to launch the website. And it's been up ever since. <laughs> now I think I have uh, almost 150 hike write-ups on there. So, yeah. <laughs> so with that, what what made you fall in love? I mean, you obviously you you live in Oregon, but why specifically Oregon as just the place you want to focus, and not just the whole West Coast or uh, or oh. the Pacific Northwest? I mean, this is a hiker's paradise. Don't get me right. wrong. But what is it specifically about the great state of Oregon? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think I was so enthralled with the fact that because I'm in Eugene I can go you know a three-hour radius around where I live yes there are thousands of hikes literally thousands of hikes (laughs) just in that small radius now our state is humongous um, but just in that small radius there are thousands of hikes and so I felt like I didn't really need to go super broad Um, There's so much for me to discover right here. And um, I could probably hike every week for the rest of my life and still not hike all the trails in Oregon. So I I don't feel like I'm um, hindered in any way as far as content or um, hikes. And, and to be fair, I think, um, like, even if I put uh, Southern Washington or Northern California in on hike Oregon, like on the website. Mm-hmm. I think that still kind of counts just because it's so close. 
Exactly. I say the same thing. A lot of people are like, oh, I'll go down the shaft. So that's not Oregon. I'm like, but it's so it's close. So close. Yeah. I mean, just, just here in Southern Oregon, we're, we're close to within driving distance of three national parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between Crater Lake and the Redwoods and Mount Lassen, you're like, it, it's all in our backyard. It's so amazing. So I, I know down here when when you talk about hiking with other hikers they ask you about all trails they ask you about you know they they say darwin but your name always comes up or your website always comes up have you seen hike oregon um how has your reputation within the hiker community both in oregon and and nationally even how has that inspired you to be a creator wow (laughs) tough questions here how has that i think it's I think once I realized that people were talking about Hike Oregon, because at first it was very small, mm-hmm. um, you know, my I barely had a, a YouTube following or Instagram following or anything at all. Um, I got featured in some local magazines and stuff like that. And that's kind of when I was like, oh, like people are going to see this. This is like, this could be a, a brand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really thought about it as a brand before that. Um, but once I was like, oh, yeah, you know, people are going to see this in a magazine and it's it's definitely a, a brand and a, can be a household name. And um, I think that's when it really inspired me to kind of take it to the next level and create more content and um, better content and stuff like that. So w- within the hiking community, who who do you follow? Who is it that you're like that person? But you don't want to maybe copy, but like that that person wants me makes me want to be a better hiker, be a better creator. Definitely Darwin. Darwin. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling throughout this whole podcast, his name is going to come up a lot. Yeah, no. As far as as far as YouTube, I mean, his content is is so inspiring, mm-hmm. and his videography. I mean. That's not my style at all, but I love watching it. And it really inspires me to like go to these beautiful places. Um, And yeah, his gear reviews are just so great. He's so well-spoken. I think that's also what really inspires me is that he's so well-spoken. And that's something that I can really take away from his content and learn from. So um, as far as like who inspires me, ultimately with like hike Oregon, it's probably William Sullivan, just because he is known as like the hiking God in Oregon. So I think he's my ultimate inspiration. Yeah. You, see, you keep seeing those books at Barnes and Noble down here in Southern Oregon. Yeah. Stacks all of them there. It's like the Sullivan books. You got to get those if you're hiking in Oregon. Totally. So, so outside of Oregon, where are your favorite places to hike? Oh gosh. Um, I loved Alaska. I, I would love to go back there. I think it's so, so cool just cause it's so wild and there, I mean, there's hiking trails, but like a lot of it, it's just like cross country stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like a whole nother level <laughs> once you go over there, but the mosquitoes are even worse than in Oregon. Oh goodness. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, I would, I would love my, my dad's actually my dad's a hiker. It's, it's funny with me because my dad's been a hiker, but I never until recently caught the hiking bug. We live near Red Rocks in Las Vegas. So my dad would be hiking every weekend. I'm like, ah, I don't want to go. I'm going to stay home and play video games. And then something about when I became an adult, I just caught the hiking bug. My dad's driving up once the, or, um, the uh, 
border opens in, in uh, Canada to go up to hike in Alaska here in a few weeks. And yeah. it's just, it's, I, I can't wait to hear the story. He's actually planning on getting me footage. And oh, I, I'm super jealous now. I wish I would have been in hiking before. Maybe he would have invited me. Um, <laughs> but let's kind of shift here. You got the, the technical side, you know, the what is, you know, your favorite trails and things like that. But I want to kind of get into how has hiking changed you and what keeps you going every week mm-hmm. i know for me it's it's really it's been almost a spiritual thing but it's how has hiking changed you as a person in every kind of aspect you can think of <laughs> um i think when i first think of this question what comes to mind is hiking has definitely taught me patience which is interesting cuz i I'm a very impatient person. And before I started regularly hiking, I was just even more impatient. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's taught me patience and it's taught me to kind of refocus on the now, because when you go hiking, you're like removed from all the, all the stuff, you know, all the mm-hmm. electronics and all the, you know, no Wi-Fi, and no phone service. Even if there is phone service, I always turn my phone on airplane mode because I do not want any notifications when I'm hiking. And it just like removes you from the world. And it's, it really allows you to like, just take a deeper look at everything and everything is just so much more beautiful. And like, you can focus on what the flowers look like and what the trees smell like and what the birds sound like. And it's, something that we don't really do in day-to-day life. And that's really just invigorating and it just kind of revitalizes you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what keeps me going back every single week is that it's kind of just like takes me back to square one and I can start my week fresh and rejuvenated. Um, Another thing that inspires me obviously to hike every week is that, um, my audience always wants more content. So yes, yes. <laughs> I can't be slacking on, on hiking. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You get those notifications like, why aren't you posting? You haven't been hiking in a while. What's going on? It's like, I'll get on the trail soon for me. Yeah. I hate snow. So like the whole winter time, I'm like, I don't want to go out there, but I've been challenged by several hikers to go ahead and attempt <laughs> snowshoeing this winter. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, as much as I, I hate the snow, but I just hate, I don't like the cold, but I've, I've braved snowshoeing this, this winter quite a bit just because I wanted to get some of the snow parks checked off my list. Where'd you go snowshoeing? Oh gosh. Um, we did quite a few trips. We went to three creeks near sisters. Um, that was beautiful. So the, the beauty about snowshoeing is that it allows you to get into those higher elevations mm-hmm. in the wintertime. Yeah. And it's just, it looks so different. Like the scenery just looks so different and you're able to hike in places that you would in the summertime, but it's just covered in snow and it's just this magical experience. So Three Creeks is probably one of my favorites. Um, Potato Hill was pretty great too. We got like a 360 view of like the entire Cascades. Ugh, it was just magical, (laughs) magical. Nice. So the first video I, I ever found from you was actually the Rogue River Trail video you did. Oh, okay. um, didn't even know that trail existed. I've, I've 
done several sections of it. I'm going to go ahead and do a back backing trip of it here soon. But what is your favorite backpacking trip overall within the state of Oregon? That would be, I mean, I have yet to go to the Wallawas, so <laughs> this might change, but the Wallawas are coming in July. But as far as what I've done so far, I think my favorite has been the Three Sisters Loop. Uh, it's just amazing. It's fantastic in every way. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So now that we're in this whole pandemic thing, we're kind of coming out of it slowly. I know down here in Southern Oregon, we're going into phase two now. Um, how have, have you adapted to not being able to hike maybe where you wanted to for a time? And what, what, are, kind of, what are you doing to look towards the future for hiking, knowing that there are some people out there who may not understand social distancing or there's some maybe some parts of trails that are still closed. And for instance, the PCT is the, the PCTA is asking that through hikers aren't coming through. So those trails aren't going to be as busy, um, but we can still section hike. How are you adapting given this whole craziness, knowing that for so many of us being stuck inside, we want to go out in the trail. But I know the first week of the pandemic for us down here in Southern Oregon, I went to Table Rocks. I drove right by and I'm like, nope, not doing that. Just because everybody wants to it go was outside. Crowded, yeah. Oh, goodness. It was, ins- I couldn't get a parking space anywhere near yeah. there. It was <laughs> insane. So, oh, how are, how are you adapting given this kind of new normal we, we're in now? Yeah, I too have found that the trails are way more crowded. Um, I think because people are finding the trails that have been open through this and they're, they have nothing else to do. So, and it's yep. been so nice out this spring that people Gorgeous. are just heading outside. And yeah, just, I think just like you said, if you go to a trailhead where it is like insane and it's crowded, <laughs> obviously don't go hike there. Um, have a plan B, I think is, is the best thing you can do. And if you drive by and see that, oh God, this is not safe, you know, go to your plan B hike and um, just be flexible, I think. Also, uh be prepared to carry out your trash and toilet paper and stuff. Cause I know many facilities are still closed, even though yes. the trails are open. Yes. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about what the trailheads are going to look like in a couple of months, just because a lot of the pit toilets are closed and there's no trash mm-hmm. service happening. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Everyone, if you're listening to this and you have not gone hiking, at least in Oregon, carry a trowel, do what you got to do. Because I know I went up to Wagner Butte. It was the bathrooms are closed. It's you have closed, to, yep. you got to dig, got to dig your cat hole. You got to do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it stinks literally, but it's what we got to do right now. If you want to enjoy, you want to enjoy nature. One thing I have found it's been great is finding sections of the PCT where they cross roads and stuff and just hike a six, six, seven mile out and back section up to a higher point or a peak or something. And those really aren't on your all trails or anything else. You just kind of look over the map. Where's a good parking space? Where is it right. safe? It's been great to utilize some of those unknown trails. Um, if you're, you know, if you're a more, a more moderately um, experienced hiker, you d- it doesn't necessarily need the facilities and understand how to use trials and stuff like that. Um, right. Overall, though, what is your hope for Hike Oregon and, and for the hiking community? As, as it seems like this thing's kind of blowing up as far as online, people are really getting into getting in the outdoors and, and adapting this lifestyle of, of being out, you know, pl- unplugging, turning off, turning your phone on airplane mode. What is kind of your hopes for the hiking community and for Hike Oregon? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I mean, I 
I just want everyone to be able to enjoy the outdoors. So my goal, I guess, is always to make the outdoors more accessible to everyone. Um, whether, you know, it be a first time hiker or a very experienced hiker, backpacker. Um, I, I think that's ultimately also why I started Hike Oregon was because I wanted people to be able to get outside just because mm-hmm. it's such a amazing experience and truly can be life-changing. So just being able to get everyone out there and experience the, the beauty of nature, I think that's really the ultimate goal. Awesome. Before we close out, I have a few just quick fast fire questions I didn't prepare you for. (laughs) Uh, Favorite place to shop for gear that's not online? Oh, definitely REI. REI. Awesome. Favorite trail within 50 miles of your home? Oh, 50 miles? Um, uh, Oh, gosh. (laughs) I don't even know what is 50 miles from my home. <laughs> eh, we'll say Roseburg to Salem. How about that? Okay. And then Oak Ridge. Yeah, definitely something around Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge is like the hidden gem of hiking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, gosh, probably Fuji Mountain. I would oh, say wow. Fuji Mountain is is spectacular. Awesome. Biggest Biggest gear regret? Biggest gear regret. that's a good one I try to do enough research so I don't have these good answer (laughs) but what is something I'm making I'm gonna make a video about um stuff that YouTube made me purchase and I'm gonna (laughs) do it with a friend because we have gone down this rabbit hole of like watching YouTubers and being like I gotta buy that too you know Yep. yep And so we definitely have a lot of gear where we're like, oh, yeah, we probably wouldn't have purchased that if it hadn't been on YouTube. Yeah. Gear is an incredibly personal thing. It's weird. It really is. And so when I do gear reviews, I try to be just super neutral about it. I just try to, like, give the facts of the gear and not be like, I love this because. (laughs) But it's hard because if you really love something, you're going to, like, rave about it. And if you really hate something people can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I really can't think of a gear regret. Awesome. At this well, point. <laughs> most essential thing you have to take on trail with you. Oh, my, my thermorest sit pad. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Well, Francesca, thank you so much for coming on. We just, just know that down here in Southern Oregon, you've inspired so many people to hike. And I hope all over the country, as people come through Oregon, they check out hikeoregon.net. What you're doing is amazing, and it's helped inspired me to get out on the trail and really kind of get involved in this community, uh, which is it was just thriving. And it's, it's you're doing amazing things, getting people outside and getting them the information they need. Just you know, all trails is wrong about seventy five percent of the time when it comes to trail lengths and stuff. Yep. And just yep. being being able to look on the videos like, oh yeah, Hike Oregon covered that. Go here, Hike Oregon covered that. Go there. So thank you so much. Where can people find you and reach you online and view your stuff? Yep. So on YouTube, it's Hike Oregon and Instagram, hike.oregon. And on the website, uh, it's hikeoregon.net. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you on the trail. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. 
Thank you so much, Hike Oregon, for coming on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. Like I've said throughout the episode, if you'd like to find out all the different ways to follow or listen to the Hiker Podcast, go to hikerpodcast.com. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm thinking about starting a Facebook group, though Hiker Facebook groups right now can be a little... I don't know. Have you all seen the PCT one lately? Good night. Anywho, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Hiker Podcast. Go to hikerpodcast.com for all the different ways to listen and connect. With that, guys, thank you so much and happy trails. Happy trails.